Hey, good morning. We are on the air. Dick and Skippy in the mornings at 923 on the dot. Yeah, we are. And the partly cloudy historic downtown Conroe LSCR Studios. It's 65 degrees outside. Going to get up to 78. Kind of cloudy all day and all night. Um, same thing tomorrow. High up in the upper 70s. Uh, Friday, maybe some storming. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Just maybe. But anyhow, I'm the aforementioned Skippy. With me, as always, is Dick here in the studio. What's up? On the uh, Conroe FM dial, supposed to be 104.5 and 106.1 if you're in Conroe. If you're outside of Conroe, catch us on Facebook Live or uh, we podcast and uh, we go on YouTube. We're just everywhere. We're in your yeah, hearts, your souls, and your minds. I've been trying to keep up with that. Uh, Facebook's been acting up, and I've been trying to read tech reports. Like right now, my favorite one right now is I can't figure out is if you notice in our description we only have one line of dialogue there. It just says Dick and Skippy in the mornings. I can't type anything else. It won't let me write anything else. And then if I try to type it, it writes it backwards. And then I thought it was a keyboard shortcut I accidentally hit because you know sometimes you hit yeah. insert and stuff. Uh-huh. But no, uh, and it's happened on every computer. So I'm like, all right, something's we, going on. Do we with, have a virus? No, I, no I'm thinking it's Facebook interact hit their. Whatever you want to call is it. Is this what are, are they are they censoring us? Do do no. I need to to just walk around no. and say you know Republicans no. suck and all, all our tech issues? Well, is it what's the current one? Like if you say the whistleblower's name, but no one really knows the whistleblower's name. Has that ever been? Has it been confirmed, or is it like has it been alluded to? <clears throat> well, the name has been put out there, so it is true. Like they go, we found the source. This is it. Yes. Well, it hasn't been. How can so I you phrase this? So you could tell me with 100% certainty? No. no. Okay, so no one's really released the name. Someone's well, like, no, oh, people we think released it might the name be... saying it's this person. But, but no one really knows? It's like... I, all right, all right, here we go, here we go. Not that I'm equating A to B, but you, you know how some news services will say, because this person hasn't been charged, we're not releasing their name. Yeah. Or the name of this victim. You know, it's our, it's our policy not to release the names of... Criminals or victims under the age of eighteen, you know the name, but since it hasn't been legally verified, you can't say, "Well, one hundred percent certainty is this because the name's not being released." Now, I'm not equating the whistleblower to a criminal or a rape victim. I'm just saying that it is known who it is with a fairly certain uh, amount of 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 confidence. Um. So no, thank you, thank you, fake news. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, look, it worked. But Finally. see, that's kind of the crux of the matter, though, because um, whistle in the American judicial system, whistleblower or not, an accused is allowed to meet his or her accuser. Whistleblower, it doesn't matter if you're a whistleblower. So you, now these aren't legal proceedings, which is why you can do this. But if this goes to Senate, it goes to trial format, in which case, you, you know, you have to hit the, the burden of proof. That's just the same as in a court. Right now, you can you can change the rules. You know, just before the whistleblower, uh, these impeachment hearings started, uh, Adam Schiff and company changed the rules to say it used to be that when a whistleblower in an impeachment hearing, you'd have to have firsthand knowledge, and they suddenly changed it to where it could be second and third hand knowledge. And then, like two days later, and here's our whistleblower, and then you find out literally no one has firsthand knowledge. So they changed the rules to to, to meet yeah. that. I mean, I I don't. I think this whole, I think this whole scenario is just. 
It's a circus. Just, I think in general, well, because it reminds me of somebody who doesn't want to work. I, uh, it's that's like, hey, my what, point. What, what do you want to do just to delay? And, and it's like, who's up right now? Oh, Adam Schiff's up, so he can. Oh, he can, parties he just can die into this. I'm asking, uh, ask your congressman what work's been done. What what uh, bills have been passed? What uh, what non impeachment related or non remove the sitting president and I think related issues are going on? I mean, I don't really don't know. It'd be interesting to read a, histor- a history book a hundred years from now just to see the really the impact of the Trump administration, especially on the, our entire country afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like this would be the this would be the negative thing of his presidency is everyone's focusing on him. You know what? I hope so because that means that this isn't the beginning of the new norm. I want this to be the exception to the rule. I yeah. want that when, you want you want just normal stuff where we're just well. I want this is what find I want. Out, we, we found out after the president, you know, droned families and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. But, no, what I would like is that when the next Democratic president is in power, and yeah. of course there will be as there should be, that the GOP doesn't do what has been going on the last three years to this extent. That someone somewhere no, has to say— No, there's a lot of opportunities. There's over 400-plus people involved with it, so it's like, yeah, there's going to be one representative be like, you know what, let's do it. No, and that's where nothing gets—that's where people are—that's, you know, I hate to use the phrase draining the swamp, but that's where you need to— I'd say pretty much anyone involved on both sides in these impeachment hearings, once this— presidency is over just clean house bring in bring in this whole new crop uh because otherwise the cycle it's like Battlestar galactica all this has happened before and it'll happen again well we gotta it, stop the cycle. it would be interesting to see that we we set the rules it's like the sunset rule kind of thing with you can't be in uh, that position for more than you know eight years or whatever for every position because it actually makes people be re- reactive not reactive to things yeah, because a lot. I feel like a lot of times when you hit that point in your pol- political career, when you're there for twenty years, you're more of just protecting what you've done instead of going like. How I can, don't disagree. Like, how can I improve my state or my town? It's more of like, you know, majority of my time being spent is how do I protect my town instead of you know trying to make it a better place. It's just kind of like I don't disagree, and that's the thing is that the, what you're saying does take into account the human condition that after a while power corrupts, so forth and so on. And I get well, that. What's not even power corrupts? More of just like your mindset changes. Well, I'm not saying become a supervillain, but what I'm saying is changing your priorities. Yeah. That you know, uh, 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 ensuring your legacy, kind of stuff. And I and I absolutely don't agree with you on that. On the other hand, because I don't think it's such a black and white question, if you only had four years. Or let's say even eight, and I think that's a problem. You get into a seesaw that you can't have any long-term plans. You can say, "Hey, listen, I've got a ten-year plan, or a nine-year plan, or twenty-year long-term well, project where, to build infrastructure." Well, that's where build communication this. between your party and the direction of your leadership takes place because you can still be involved. You're just not the guy who got voted in. You can be like, "Hey, I'll be an advisor to the next guy." Because I really want to continue with well, this ten-year plan. That, that that's where you do you become a pack at that point. You know, do you become a, a lobbyist? No, you become you're a person representing a group of people that you believe in. So, like, you could be a mayor, it could be a state, it could be you can Again, work it out. I don't work it out. Fully disagree with you, but also I firmly believe that we do have term limits on everything. They're called election days. If someone is not doing the job yeah, right, I don't believe that at all. Now you can get entrenched. I'm not naive. Someone can get entrenched and just kind of voted when someone's so when someone's in the same seat time, time. for over twenty. I think it should you shouldn't be allowed to run. 
But look at, at like AOC. She unseated someone. We've got we got some long term, you know, governors or whatever. I mean, one out of forty, like that's really going to make a make a positive change. Yeah, it's a start. And I actually think sometimes massive changes need to start smaller, or else you get knee jerk reactions. Yeah, maybe. And whiplash. You get whiplash. We have societal whiplash going on right now because everything's got to be instant and totally committed to. Well, the biggest issue we're facing is is the media. Is my opinion because they're really trying their best to. Do a narrative. When you have to fill a 24-hour news cycle. Yeah, that's really... Not only just a 24-hour news cycle, but your 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. It's 24-7. No, it's it's like, uh, what was that movie with uh, uh, The Truman Show? You know, just to have, to cater to everybody literally every minute of the day, but pushing your news organization's particular agenda and... Every organization has one to some extent. That you you just make you make up not exactly make up like pull it out of thin air, but you well, go no, you develop for well you stuff. develop habits. So like that's when people say, "Oh, Friday news dump doesn't mean anything." You know, usually the Monday is the big stories. So if yeah, I have a yeah, story, used to be taking out the trash and you, day on and you would expect a twenty four hour news cycle right when you get a story, do it like whatever time of the day it is. Like let's go. But no, it sounds like if it's a if it's a very juicy story, you wait till a specific more eyeball time, and mm-hmm. that's what the polls tell you. So that's what happens. Yep. But, yeah, I, but I agree with you. And I think we're with habits. We're now at a point where, through their behavior, they don't have as much effectiveness as they used to have, mainly because there's so many sources out there, so many ways to consume the news. But and especially with the polarizing figure like Donald Trump, you have no idea what could be true or what can't be true. You're just all they care about is who's first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because retractions the story, don't matter anymore. Yeah, well, they rarely did. I mean, it's historical that you know the mistake would happen on page one, the correction would happen on page forty-two, column yeah. C. That's nothing new, but it's just become so blatant now. Where you got organizations caught in blatant lies. I mean, we'll go back. Just think because this is so well, like, two weeks ago. Like, but the whole idea, Kentucky uh, gun range thing. There was a story in the New York Times today uh, within the last twenty-four hour news cycle. Remember that Navy SEAL that he pardoned? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, this news article basically said he might be kicked out of the Navy because of his behavior. Mm-hmm. But it just says might. Mm-hmm. So, but like to me, I'm thinking, all right, well, we're we're the sources, and then why would you even report that if it doesn't happen? Yeah, like, it's like a my like maybe I quote listener Brett all the time when he says, anytime a headline says includes uh, a a uh, comparative, might should possibly yeah, it's not it's not a headline. And there was something going around yesterday saying that Obama's former doctor says that Trump's got neuro you know Trump is exhibiting neurological issues. It's like what? You get the doctor of the previous president, you know, it's not. And so people put Trump's got neurological yeah. issues because he went to the doctor. It's well, pure I, Let me ask conjecture. this to the audience, too. It's like, how much, like, do you all work in a field that is directly affected by this behavior of the news cycle and then people? Because I imagine the oil and gas is a very, uh, a very affected area. Whatever president does or whatever... You know, because the stock well, market. Well, yeah. If you shut, if you put a moratorium on the entire industry for six months because of one, it was a significant incident, the Macondo Well or Deepwater Horizon, as yeah. we all know it by. But to shut down an entire industry, this, that is really akin to shutting down the entire airline industry every time a plane crashes. 
Because before the Macondo well, before Deepwater Horizon, do you know when the last uh, incident happened like that? The dinosaur age. Uh, no, in the 1960s. Okay. So literally every 40 to 50 years. We get one. One. But it was the entire industry was shut down, and you had the president saying, I need to know who's asked to kick. It's That was a knee-jerk reaction that I was firmly opposed to. And uh, you, you just don't do the knee-jerk reaction like that. Mm-hmm. But the... But the the way the and it was a significant event. I'm not downplaying the Deepwater Horizon. It, it was a disaster, much like the Exxon Valdez and, and other things. But you don't vilify or shut down an entire industry because of the media wants you to, and that's what's been happening. I'll, I'll go back to the whole pink slime thing. An entire perfectly fine industry was eradicated off the face of the earth because of a local news story. Someone pushed an agenda and basically made up the story. I'll also talk about anti-vaxxing. You know, report after report, people are now coming out with report after report saying, okay, this is, you know, not only was the other one debunked by the person who wrote it even, but here's a here's a report with 10 times the number of people involved that, that still doesn't matter because the media wanted to push it. I believe it. Yeah. I just, like, again, I think the last thing we could say about it is it's, it's crazy to me that, and especially, like, say in 30 years when a generation shifts and who are now journalists, like, do y'all want to continue being like this? How did it end up like this? Is the, So do you think this is the beginning of the new norm, or is this the turning point where we say, okay, too far, we got to kind of no, I think, take it back? I think the underlying thing to it is I think this is where CEOs and, and leadership positions start using personal things involved with their business, and then that's going to bite them in the end. Okay. Because you'll start seeing their improper behavior and all that kind of stuff. Especially how sensitive everyone is today in the corporate world. It's like, I think that's what's going to come out. Because eventually CNN's not going to be making as much money as it made 10 years ago. <laughs> it's already not, yeah. It, well, I'm saying. Eventually it's going to hit them, and then you're like, well, do we have a billionaire backer, or do we just kind of migrate to someone else? Like, one day BuzzFeed will buy CNN. <laughs> Dick and Skippy hitting the ground running this morning. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Are you one of those who feel that life is too short to drink bad coffee? Then come to Beanpunk Coffee. Beanpunk Coffee is open with two locations. Whether you're in downtown Conroe or historic Montgomery, we have the best fresh brewed and specialty coffee, delicious pastries, and courteous staff. Come visit us at 330 North Main Street in Conroe or 401 College Street, Suite 170 in Montgomery. Visit beanpunkcoffee.com see our complete list of special events. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast. Create your first 
YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936-709-7671. All right, welcome back to Dick and Skippy in the Morning. It's here on Lone Star Community Radio, IRLoneStar.com, and Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. I'm not reporting any issues with our Facebook Live, so let us know. Uh, we do have a call-in uh, text number, 936-228-9368, and, of course, you can email us at any time at dickandskippy at gmail.com. Today's show is brought to you by Beanpunk Coffee, Clean Sweep Office Cleaning, and C3 Creative Content Creations. So, uh, last segment, we basically talked about uh, how the news is kind of screwing everyone over because creating hysteria among groups and, you know, they continuously don't follow what you think would be journalistic guidelines, which is normal, I guess, in today's world because the internet is so easy. You know, we were talking about, uh, I'm going to look up his name, but a, a writer for uh, Rolling Stone, he basically took over Hunter S. Thompson's job. Okay. What he's what he was talking about, I was listening to this guy, and he's a podcast. I'll look him up when we, when we go to break. He uh, he said one of the biggest issues that he knows with journalists journalists, and he started making. They were kind of talking about examples is Twitter, because in the past when you were writing stories, you'd be working on a story, and then the editor would go through it, and then they publish it in the paper. But now journalists can kind of feed the masses on Twitter seeing what they feel about certain things and they don't have to fact check it. They can just kind of mm. say, this is what I think is going to happen. Mm. And then it, so it kind of, it mis, it misinterprets what the end, end it result. bypasses the entire editorial process. Yeah. And there, and he said, that's probably one of the biggest issues because you know, not everyone's right a hundred percent of the time. So when you have so many journalists trying to be out there first, then it's like, but then when you're wrong, no one goes slash mark for you. Mm. No one keeps up. There's something so. interesting that I can I read this morning, um, scanning the headlines. So there was a female reporter interviewing Charles Barkley. This morning? Well, I read it this morning, so this happened recently. Okay. Um, Barkley said, quote, cracked a joke about domestic violence. And he's done this in the past. So it's not cool, Chuck. I'm just saying that. Oh, it wasn't about San Antonio and women from San Antonio? Um, no, but the, he basically told this reporter, ah, it's a good thing I don't, you know, you're, you're pretty or I'd smack you, you know, just something really stupid and offensive and just not clearly thought out. It up. But she took it and went on Twitter. And the first thing she said was, well, I don't like to make myself part of the story, but, oh, and what, so what she's done is just ensure that she's the headline now. Now, what he did was wrong. He I, says, I don't hit women, but if I did, I would hit you. That's Maybe it. Maybe she was aggressive. 
Well, that's what I'm saying is that what Barkley said was wrong. I'm not defending what he said. It was an idiotic thing to say, I think, on any level. He may have felt justified depending on the situation. I don't know. He has said similar things in the past, you know, where he said, uh, you know, my wife is happy I won the game because she knows I'm not going to go home and, and beat her tonight. I mean, he's actually said things like this. It's just dumb. But to immediately go on Twitter and say, I don't like to, I don't want to make myself the story, but I am. I, you know, it's like the people with the Hollywood walks of fame, you know, the stars on the Hollywood yeah. uh, thing. You know that they pay for that. Yeah. Or the so, group oh, I can't believe that you just did that for no, you actually lobbied for and paid for it yourself. Or to, you know, that you can actually. Uh, what's her name? Catherine Heigl was smack talking the the writers on the show she was on after an well, Emmy. But you put yourself up for Emmy consideration, and you can she, take yourself off. She of also it. said that she broke. There's almost no times that I will break the off the record agreement, but this is not okay. Yeah, see, and so she actually it's the number one rule of journalism: you do not if you are off the record, you are off the record. And she, so she's right off. Well, this is a good example of what we're talking about with yeah, Twitter. It's this exactly. Is, you go to Twitter. That's where you. And I think that's something that a lot of folks who are politicians who want to use Twitter as a voice, but then it's it's to me it's misguided. And that's really why I I personally don't go on there all the time unless it's either for like saying a joke or taking a picture of a unique event that happened that day. Because like kind of like today, this crazy man broke a bunch of windows at the corner pub. And you're like, man, this Wait, is what? different. Yeah, what some guy last night just uh, apparently, I think it was a homeless guy, but he just kind of got upset. He got arrested and everything. But okay. that's like that's the that's where you go. Look what happened today. But I think like especially for a reporter and mm -hmm. getting on there, like to me, what would you say? What do you think the editor of whatever publication she is with or whatever her boss? Do you think? Her boss goes, "Good job. That's a great story. Yeah, spin you, it, spin yeah, it, spin you it." You got us on the news. We we are now the news story for the next twelve hours. Yeah, or yeah. We're, when the when the paper or the station or the reporter becomes the news, that's wrong. That's where you're not supposed. To, just what you're not supposed to do as a journalist. You're not supposed to be the story. Think back to the old days where you know the National Geographic photographers would get just wailed on by people because they'd be taking photos of starving children or animals being attacked I'm like you need to do something it's like we can't we're we are only there to observe and document we cannot get involved but now it's the other way around if the reporter does not insert him or herself into it and make them the story then that that's that's the hard left turn of journalism. So I'm firmly opposed to what this uh and I say reporter in quotation marks because nowadays I don't even know if what it takes to be a reporter anymore for, you know, what, what I know. Probably, if I think, you're a reporter for a blog, uh, it doesn't make you a journalist. You know, I can just because I walk into a courtroom and say your objection does not make me a lawyer. Well, it's one of those things that I imagine it's similar to like the, the doctor world or nurse world where you do that hippo was it the Hippocratic hip Oath. Hippocratic Oath, which isn't I mean, I know there's some laws going into it where you, if you break it, and I know with FIPA is it FIPA? HIPAA. HIPAA. With HIPAA being introduced, that really kind of did other things with your health, like what doctors are obligated to do. Right. But there's not... Oh, the Hippocratic Oath basically says do no harm. Yeah. But then that gets bent all the time. Yeah. For certain, for good reasons and bad reasons. So the same thing with journalists. I don't think journalists really... There really is a point where you get dishonored. 
Like you, you, you dishonor the journalistic code. Not anymore. No. And I think what happens on a near daily basis, journalists, and again, I use finger quotes on this, are doing things that 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, they would have been, you'll never work in this town again, kid. And it's true. Um, it's that's what I'm saying. Is this the new norm or is there going to be a turning point where people say, okay, enough, you're not a journalist. You're well, especially a when you're relaying info, like in the specific case of Charles Barkley, I'd be interested to know the context of you can't just you can't judge a person just by the sentence that you read. Correct. And like he and especially with in a in a position where they're off the record and this is a known joker. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like what 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 context did he say it in? Was he just kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, I don't I don't hit women, but you know, one of these days Alice Powell's right yeah. to the moon." Again, I don't I, really know. I, and again, what Barkley said was, "Dude, seriously, Think twice before saying no. something like that. Um, no. But for this reporter you know, you, to you, say, you, I there's don't literally make montages of him on NBA tonight or whatever. Oh, I, I know that's what I'm saying. He's, so he's I known don't think for this. I think he gets hired for that. And I think what's well, similar to that Don, uh, that Don Cherry guy in Canada, like that's something that, again people you can easily take out of context what he said, but you can also put into context what he said. And it's kind of like, well, do you can you blame a guy if you change the words a little bit? Then It'd be all right, but it's the same deliver. It's the same message, but it's just the way it's delivered. Because I was reading this. Uh, I, I know where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, it, do you remember the comic strip Bloom County, which is very popular in the '80s, and it's kind yeah. of making a comeback? Okay. Well, there's this one bit uh, where you've got a character named Steve Dallas, and his mother comes in. His mother's like really old school, like '50s old school, and she's talking about. Well, there's some colored people that moved in next door, and he's Dallas Free, and I go, you can't say colored people. Oh, I mean this, or, you know, going through some phraseology, and he says, no, it's actually people of color. And the mother says, people of color. He says, yeah. She says, colored people. No, that's not it. And, of course, it's offensive to say colored people because of the etymology behind it, the history behind it. No one says colored person, meaning it nicely. So the, the words are identical. You literally just flip two words, but it's how it's delivered. And I think that's where you're going with that. You can't just say, pick the words and put zero context in it. Um, you know, over at the Owen Theater, they're putting on a show called Lend Me a Tenor. And a thing that has to happen, or they, they put it on, it just closed. Something that, oh, as this show you. is written, is that someone's in blackface. They're doing Othello, and someone needs to describe themselves as an opera singer, so he has to put on black. So this actor could possibly, whoever gets that role, could possibly be scar- you know, just run out of town on rails because of, out of context, yeah, I wore blackface. Oh, my God, that's it. I'll put myself in it. Twi- on two occasions now, I've had to drive around with a Nazi flag in my car. But they were for theatrical purposes that had very historical significance. For you know, to get it from, uh, there's one play called Talk Radio where a uh, it's a Nazi flag, right? Yeah, a, someone mails threatens, his, uh, yeah, threatens, and then Diary of Anne Frank next door at the Crichton. They needed this flag, and I'm the guy driving around within my trunk. So for me, to say, yeah, I have a Nazi, you know, the Nazi flag in my trunk. Out of context, on that Twitter. makes me a horrible, horrible interesting day today, guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. Feeling kind of Nazi, IDK. Well, I mean, what's and that's what if that's what's so but bizarre. But you gotta always, always have context. 
Well, it's also I think people don't know they're ever they're ever be part they will ever be part of the story. And then what's going to happen with this lady is some la- someone's going to be like, let's check out her entire history on social media. And look to what- put, yeah, basically when you put yourself in the oh I don't want to be part of this uh, become a story. Okay, well now. So what you reap now, you're part of the story. And yeah. It may not be fair, but here's the thing: with her breaking the uh, off the record rule, which is sacrosanct, in that yeah, no I mean, one. If that's the new norm, it's like, well, I, when I said we're off the record, but I didn't really mean it, then no one's going to eventually. No one's going to want to talk to her and stuff again. Well, that's one thing I love about comedians is comedians have that free pass, mm-hmm. you know, as they should. And it's just kind of like. If you interview any comedian and then you're like, oh, I'm going to take this and kind of say this off the record and put it in the article, can you believe what happened? But then it's like, it's a comedian, so he's fine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, to me, it's kind of interesting that you get people, like, we talked about the controversial with Mike Tyson, and his he's been around for a long time. He's gone his ups, got his downs, mm-hmm. real far downs, but it's like he's still part of society. Mm-hmm. He's still here. So, to me, like, this kind of stuff is, this is what the news people need to have to fill in the day-to-day before the bigger stories get get hit later in the week. Right. And I agree with you on the comedians, and and I think rightfully so. I'm uh, There was a comedian, I believe his name was Ron Schock or Ron Shook, uh, very popular in the 90s, and I saw him. He came to Houston, and I'd recognized the name before. And what had happened was, if you think way back, one of those televangelists, it was either Jerry Falwell or Oral Roberts, I can't remember which one, um, it said that he had met a 900-foot-tall Jesus. And so Ron Shook's comedy bit was to, he made a comedy bit about it, you know, and if it was Oral Roberts or Jerry Falwell, I believe it was Oral Roberts, sued him for defamation. And Shook successfully, like, beat that suit and countersuit successfully by saying, I literally, everything I said was based on your quotes. And so, you know, he, he would point out that, okay, if you have a 900-foot-tall Jesus, A, how can, how can no one else saw him? B, because he put it in context that, you know, Williams Tower in the gallery is 907 feet tall. So if that suddenly appeared, surely someone else would have seen it. And he's like, okay, did he have a... Because he said, Jesus looked me in the eye. Okay, he's 900 feet above you. Did he pick you up? Or did he scrunch down real low, or did he stand on his head? And if that's the case, did he wear a robe? You know. Well, isn't that what Elon Musk is facing right now? In what context? Like, is he being sued for defamation or libel? Oh, for um, for saying that guy's a pedophile over during the whole yeah. Well, see, that's the difference. Cave thing. That's not a pair to to say you're a pedophile in a public forum. Yeah. That that is defamation of character, or or that could be depending on now if the guy turns out to be a pedophile. Musk might get off the hook, but no, there's a difference between quoting someone's. If that scuba diver had said, you know, I like little boys and and Western. Well, wasn't it basically since he lived in Thailand? That's why he said it. He's like, yeah, you're living in Thailand, man. You're probably a, I don't know, right? But see, but you see the difference. If the guy had said, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, I like little boys and Western oil, then yeah, you can look at him say, dude, you're a pedophile. And it's not defamation of character because you're parroting their own words back to them. But if you just, oh, he's in Thailand, he might, you know, obviously he's, but that's defamation of character. And that's the whole thing about this, this yeah. Ron Shook comedian by saying, I'm using your own words. You said he was, yeah. you said this. How can that be defamation of character? And he actually was successful in that. He was a good comedian, too. He was very funny. Most comedians are. Yes. Well, yeah, they know. were. Most were. Whatever your cup of tea is. <laughs> yeah, most you were. You'll find one. 
But no, it's interesting. No, and so just to go back what I was talking about, um, these social writers that wanted to submit uh, gender social papers, what they did was they took Mein Kampf and they replaced everything that was you know, negative towards Jewish people and things. They made it more for, uh, to give you the title of their paper, it was called, right here, it was called Our Struggle is My Struggle, Solidarity Feminism. So wait, wait, what? What now? Late, well, the paper was called "Our Struggle Is My Struggle: Solidarity Feminism." So they took mind camp and they as a inter- intersectional reply to neoliberal and choice feminism. So they they basically replaced everything with and uh, mind camp as for feminists for the struggle for feminism, and it was accepted. And they got they submitted like twenty papers. Have you heard about this? No. So they submitted they submitted like twenty papers. And uh, there's it's it's pretty interesting, like it, like for grievance studies, and they're basically they want to expose the corruption of social the social studies at a high educational way. It's like you can really get anything published because as long as you follow this path, mm. I got you. Okay, so okay, I was I was trying I was struggling to catch up with the purpose behind it. I I, I get yeah. it now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like people who can just try to get away with stuff. See what they can do. Right. Change it up. It's the American way. Well, let's take a break real quick. Okay. Dick and Skippy. And uh, take us out. It's 9.56, but don't go away. We'll be right back. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Are you one of those who feel that life is too short to drink bad coffee? Then come to Beanpunk Coffee. Beanpunk Coffee is open with two locations. Whether you're in downtown Conroe or historic Montgomery, we have the best fresh brewed and specialty coffee, delicious pastries, and courteous staff. Come visit us at 330 North Main Street in Conroe or 401 College Street, Suite 170 in Montgomery. Visit BeanpunkCoffee.com see our complete list of special events. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themila foundation.org because every life matters hispanic chamber connections with dr carlos sanchez president of the woodlands conroe hispanic chamber of commerce featuring event announcements member highlights and more tuesdays at 1 p.m broadcasting from the heart of conroe texas on irlonestar.com and conroe's fm 104.5 106.1 
Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. It's 10 o'clock on the dot here on Wednesday, November 20th, 2019. I'm a nominee, so if you're far in the far-flung future listening to us, howdy. I hope we all made good life choices. It's Skippy talking with Dick here. Yeah, we're, we're just kind of We had no guest today, so we're kind of... Doing whatever we yeah, want. Opening our mouths and seeing what comes out. I'll join the conversation. Um, uh, I Hold on, I'm nodding at the camera. Bert asked to you know, nod if I can hear you. Bert, we can hear you. Uh, just not... Uh, Reading the comments all the time, so bear with me. Uh, you can also send text into the phone line 936 22. Hold on, is it 936 228 9368? Is it 228 9368? There we go. Yeah, um, join the conversation. So, we've been talking media, we touched a bit on impeachment. Yeah. There was uh, a thing. A thing I wanted to talk about, you know, the Ford versus Ferrari came out this weekend. I'm hearing it's a uh, last weekend. It surprised and then, me. It's a very good movie. I didn't yeah. think it would be, uh, you know, the topic. I'm just thinking, okay, so it's a car race between Henry Ford and Bob Ferrari, right? Isn't that their names? I have no idea. But they also another movie came out was uh, the. Charlie's Angels reboot. The re-reboot. Well, I it actually was rebooted not that well, long. Well, you know what's weird is they were saying that uh it's not a reboot because there was a scene where Bill Murray basically uh was in the same universe. So it's canon according to the 2000s Charlie's Angels. But it's not canon for the original TV series. It might be. If that's canon with the other canon, you never know. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure in the 2000 Charlie's Angels, they connected the TV show, didn't they? Uh, well, it was a lot more nod, nod, wink, wink. They would actually do the same kind of camera tricks, the wipes and stuff. and and Okay, but not but like not, the characters weren't. Yeah, it was over the top on purpose. It wasn't supposed to be a serious feminist commentary. Well, the reason I wanted to bring this up is <laughs> I wanted to uh, get people's opinion on this. Is it bombed, apparently? It made like $8 million over the weekend. And the director, producer, yeah, I think writer. Yeah, Warner Brothers said, worst case scenario, 
it's going to bring in 13 million and a broad in eight. I mean, it's like, yeah, failed to meet the lowest of expectations. And Elizabeth Banks, who basically made the movie, directed, <laughs> directed it, it, produced it, 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 it did, did a it. bunch of stuff. Uh, blames the the comic book culture and men. White men. Was it we, white men? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it was just men in general. Well, you know, um, it goes beyond that, but yeah. And she made a comment about, you know, the reason it bombed was the comic book people don't respect movies like this. And then, but, you know. They don't want to see women kicking butt. Yes. Which all but evidence then, of But the then she went on saying, you know, Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman don't count because those are in the comic book male genre world. That literally makes no sense. Let's go to But it, it got Hunger me thinking. Games. Well, it got me thinking. It's like, well, when it comes to making a movie, uh, was there at least one study of where's the audience for Charlie's Angels? Right, exactly. Because I know, th- I, kn- I do remember the 2000 Charlie's Angels with Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, and Cameron Diaz. Like, it, it created a cult following. From what I understood, like I remember the yeah. movie coming out, they made a sequel, mm-hmm. and apparently it was it was very good, especially with the older fans of Charlie's Angels and then creating new fans of Charlie's Angels. And that was one of the complaints I re- I kept kind of reading online comments about this one was they took it too serious, and, and that's why they liked the older ones because it's more campy. You have to be able to read the room. And let's take another old TV series, The Brady Bunch. When they said, "Let's make a movie out of it," they know that it was sh- sh- schmaltzy. Yeah. They didn't want to alienate the original audience because I remember watching back then. We, you know, it was wholesome family well, I mean, entertainment. They, but they, they, they swung decided and they missed. They, that's basically what oh, happened. Oh no! Well, the Brady Bunch movie, they knew exactly. No, I what meant to do. the the Charlie's Angels reboot. A, the re-reboot because the reboot was no, a it's nod canon to the original. It's canon to the reboot. No, it's canon to 2000. Then it's a sequel. It's not a reboot. It's a sequel. Or whatever. If it's canon, yeah, then it's a do, sequel. Let's okay. do it by the years. 2019, Charlie's Angels. Okay, so the the Drew Barrymore one paid homage to the original by saying our audience, we, we know full well that this was We're eye fun. candy. We're fun. It's going to be over the top. The slow motion explosions behind. Yeah. This and that. If this one take it, took it too seriously, you're not reading the audience. It's like doing a Brady Bunch movie but being serious about it. Yeah. No, it would bomb, and you can't say, "Well, that's just you know, people don't love families anymore." I just want well, to, Elizabeth. I want to just point out a couple of oh, here movies we here. Just well, to, let me ask you this before you get into the movie thing. Okay, what? Why is she saying that white men shouldn't go see movies? No, that we're we're supposed to see. We're supposed to see every movie. movie. Yeah, we're supposed we're to see supposed every to movie. See, okay, I'm just curious. Yeah. I was trying. I was like, wait so, a second, what? Too bad that I never went to go see Kill Bill, Wonder Woman. Atomic Blonde, uh, Hannah, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Well, Dragon. Hannah's even stranger, because that's like a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Uh, Which, that movie's really good, by the way. Eon Flux, Tomb Raider, La Femme Nikita, Salt, Columbiana, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, that's not really a female role lead. That's not, sorry. She's the one that totally kicks butt. And yeah, saves, but she's not the lead. Tom Cruise is the lead. But he's the name, but she's the primary character because she saves him over and over again. Yeah, but he's the one going, no, you're wrong. Get out of uh, here. Resident Get Evil. Get out of here with that. Underworld. Resident Evil, I can see. Underworld, uh, I can Fifth see. Fifth Element, which is such a horrible movie, but everyone watched it. Um, she's Ultra not the lead Violet. character. Um, Hunger Games. Yeah. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on about all evidence to the contrary. Stop. I'm just so tired of the easy, the laziness. The My movie bombed. 
it's toxic masculinity. Well, it's really strange too to to make that announcement as the producer, writer, or whatever the weekend after. And here's the thing: because there's a lot of movies that have strong second weekends. But here, she's saying now, well, yeah, it's historically proven that men don't go watch these things. Then why did you make the movie? If you knew it beforehand, why did you make it? It's, yeah. it's taking zero accountability for it. you. Made a crappy movie. Well, it reminds me of uh, the joke on the ticket sale. We all went to go see Ocean's Eight. And we were having the discussion off the air. Oh, I'm breaking the journalistic rule of about, you know, how do we present this on the show without sounding like, you know, we're a bunch of dudes watching a movie that was clearly made for women. And uh, and I, we were trying to figure out not to sound like we're idiots and sexists and all that stuff. But we couldn't I couldn't get around that movie's ending where they literally follow the stereotype of a woman stealing jewelry. Mm hmm. And then, like, there wasn't like it, there wasn't a bigger heist. It was like they, they kind of try to fool you. Spoiler alert: they try to fool you that they didn't steal the jewelry, but then, of course, at the end, they stole it. But they didn't sell it; they stole it to wear it. And we're talking like jewels from five hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, then that's just kind of following the stereotype, right? Like they're not really pulling a heist to make money or to, you know, but they literally are walking away with earrings. And you see, like, each scene is them getting on an airport wearing one piece of the jewelry they all stole. I was like, that's kind of fun. Isn't that kind of like, yeah, saying that same thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I, the movie did all right. And I didn't. I didn't. I thought it was the the worst of all the oceans because of that twist ending. I was like, that didn't really. I got I got like fifty minutes into it, and it just it wasn't engaging yeah. me at all. Well, I mean, and, but Anne Hathaway was the only movies. one that saved that movie. I loved her character Who's? in that movie. Anne Hathaway's. Okay. She played the movie actress. Who like later she was supposed to be the mark, mm -hmm. and then later she became part of this like she fi she figured it out. And everyone thought she was some dumb, you know. Oh, you didn't get to that far? No. Oh yeah, she figured it out. It was pretty funny. Oh, and yeah. then she's like, "Well, I'm bored. I want in." And I was like, "Well, that's kind of believable." And then of course she does a great job towards the end. Every uh, piece of art you do, you have to be able to read the audience. Yeah, and I think I yeah, and I think that's lazy. It takes you no do that kind of statement. You're misplacing like where where do you think your audience is? Clearly, well, do you think I'm going to watch an Elizabeth Think movie now, like ever? Well, I don't think. Well, you're you know you're not her audience. Well, according to her, I am. I'm being blamed that her movie failed. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Don't well, pay maybe me you with should. That you should go see it. No, why why aren't you going to go see it? Because I barely made it through uh, Drew Barrymore's Charlie's Angels. Well, I think one of her biggest issues that I, and this is just me watching, I love movies, is she casted a cast that is two-thirds unknown above a certain age. Like, I think Kristen Stewart will pretty much be the only one that resonates with people over the age of 30. So, okay, Kristen Stewart in Twilight, and she played Snow White, which I'm just cracking Well, that's what I'm saying, but you know who she is. You've heard those I've names. I've heard but I'm saying that's it, literally. And There's nothing they, that says she's an actress. And then they casted the woman who played Jasmine, but people don't really know her name or anything outside of the new Aladdin. And See, then, I thought the Jasmine on Once Upon a Time was better, because she was also in Gallivant. So, See, I again, know what you were talking about. There's a TV show called Gallivant. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And she was the princess. And then the, once upon a time, that TV show about the fairy tale characters in the real world. Okay. And Jasmine was that's played right. by the same actress. Oh, they're talking about Aladdin. Sorry. Yeah. Well, there's a movie Aladdin. Well, that's what I'm but saying. But I think that was one of her issues. Is she made a movie for over the like a certain age, but she cats the people who didn't really recognize in that in that group. Mm -hmm. And then the people who do recognize those people are too young to really care about seeing that movie. Well, see, I think Elizabeth Banks' words think are they actually drive. causing damage because what she's basically she's widening the divide by saying my movie 
the only reason it didn't succeed is because of men. So all these other women who follow Elizabeth Banks and follow these other actors are going, yeah, yeah, it's men's fault. Instead of looking and going, maybe it was a cruddy movie. Maybe it was poorly written and poorly directed. Well, it's also and one of those executed. things. Ask those people, hey, did you see the movie? Yeah. So. It's kind of my point. Yeah. Well, I mean, people saw the the reboot Charlie's Angels in 2000. Because there was big explosions and stuff, and all I saw was Kristen Stewart with a well. P- I also pixie think haircut. it was real. It's directed towards a family friendly attitude, where you still had the, yeah, it was over the top. Yeah, the Charlie's Angels angel sexiness kind of thing, but then anyone can really go see it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was the problem because they made this one way too serious. Or it remind- well, there was this is going to sound really funny. When I was a little kid, one of the shows I loved was called The Banana Splits. It was these like mascots dressed up, Flugel and Snort and Bingo and I uh, forget the other guy's name. <clears throat> but it was basically these guys in animal costumes like they're Chuck E. Cheese rejects and getting into mayhem and hijinks. Well, they came out with the movie version of it, and I'm like, what the heck? Who's you know who even remembers it nowadays? And they turned it into a, a literal horror movie. So it was an actual officially canon sanctioned Banana Splits movie, but they took. Into they're killing people, and that like was, it. It's a risk. It's a risk. But see, to take these old properties, Elizabeth Banks. Here's the thought: Maybe don't take a property that's forty years old, has already been rebooted once, and and try and pass it off as something well, new and exciting. And I think also in the movie world, there's a decision every creator goes. You know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of success. Oh, that's like the whole point. if I'm do happy. A labor of love. If I'm Absolutely. if I'm happy with it. Then go for it. But then also, I think I think the reason she lashed out was there was a, I think there's a point in her career where if she wants to be given jobs at a certain in a certain degree, she has to be successful to a certain degree. And when she wasn't, I think a lot of people care in that industry oh, you care know the, about the you opening know the, produce, the bean counters and stuff are going. You well, know, no, future bean counters. Yeah, like, no, saying. we're not dealing with her again. Bingo. She can't. She can't do it. And her own words. Now, here's the thing: you can direct a movie that's a bomb. You can act in a movie that's a bomb. You can recover from it until you open your mouth and blame the audience for its failure. Yeah, At that, that point, she just move. she has shot herself in the foot. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm tired of being the target of well, that, everything that was... wrong in the world is because I happen to be a, a Caucasian male of a certain age. Well, I would be really interested to see an actual data facts of like who goes and actually goes see movies gender wise. Like, you know, not to be biased or anything, like just curious, like across the board, how many people in November went to go see a movie and then how many of those people were male? How many of those people were female? But you got to, you can't, again, you can't just go with numbers because there are more men than women. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you, you got to break it down by, because I think it depends Demographics on. I, and well, it's also you're going up against Ford versus Ferrari or whatever, and like you're going up against that movie. And but that's that's the funny thing. Charlie's Angels has the name recognition. The more people go, you know, I don't. Yeah, I but you're talking about cars. Ford versus like, Ferrari. Like, why do you think people saw Fast and the Furious? Because it had cars. And again, it doesn't pretend to be anything. Well, it other has than cars. It you got you got people who drive in cars to go see movies about cars. Yeah, but so did Cars Three, the Disney Pixar movie. But that doesn't mean people watched it. Because I always ask Chris over at the Grand. I go, how many times do people arrive to his theater at the Grand Theater right here in Conroe, not knowing what they're going to see? Very rarely for me. I, well, I for you, know. but he says you'd be surprised amount of people get there and they're like they're trying to find a movie that adjusts to their schedule. And so it's kind of like, oh, we have these cho- like these three movies, yeah, and then they kind of choose. So, 
And you're kind of here's the thing. I like being as fully versed in what I'm going to watch before I spend money on it. And I'll go back to there's a reason why. Back in the '80s, this is going to sound really funny. I was in the new. I was going through this new age phase, and I was at this record store looking through the tapes. That's right, cassette tapes. And it was in the new age section, and there was this uh, cassette that it the cover art looked good. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this. I took it home, and it wasn't New Age at all. It was like acid punk or something. It was just really – it was some basically some guy screeching to a microphone and banging pans and stuff. And So I took it back to him saying, I, I want to return this. You can't return it. I'm like, yes, I can. This is – like, well, we can't just have people, if they don't like the music, to re- return it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's not like I don't like the music. You put it in a section – this is false advertising. You said this was new age music, like, you know, Enya and stuff like that. And it's not, this belongs in experimental music over there. And I got in a big fight with them over that. Cause I, I was, I would not leave that record. Oh, store. I know you're picky about your genres. I am, but don't, you know, again, don't say, Hey, there's a banana splits movie. Uh, let's take the kids. Let's go watch. That's what I'm saying. People, parents would be taking their, I'd be taking my grandkids. There's a banana splits movie. Kids Didn't we have a movie it. like that and recently? Then you have slasher movie. You Didn't know, we have a movie like that recently? In what way? Like this year, I remember, I forgot what it was called, but basically it was like the, it, it could be presented as a kid's movie. Kind of like the movie Ted. Mm. <laughs> when people like see a talking bear, it's like, oh, great. But it says rated R. You're like, oh, weird. Yeah. And especially like, I think that was like Deadpool. I think people had an issue with because. But you got to know Deadpool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you walked into a Deadpool movie knowing absolutely nothing about Deadpool, you deserve to be offended. Well, it's interesting. You that, don't get well, your Well, especially money in the video game world and in, in music world and like. If it says rated R, it says rated R, man. Like, there's not really. And it, nowadays, no because of the Tipper Gore hearings back in the 80s and 90s, it would say not only is rated R, rated R for graphic sexual content, but drug also, use, I think just people like to complain. Yeah, there are professional complainers. And that's what I'm saying. If you have, there's a situation, if you walk into Deadpool, like I said, you walk into Deadpool movie when you've never heard of Deadpool, have no idea, then you, you deserve what you get. Because it, all it takes is what's Deadpool? Well, he's a foul mouth superhero. It's like kind of hard R stuff, and he talks to the. Well, not even that. It says yeah. it says rated R. Or look at it. You know, it's right there, rated R. Why is it rated R, young ticket taker? Well, because of a, a pervasive language, sexual situations, and uh, gross adult humor. Okay, I'll go watch Care Bears. I'm presuming the Care Bears are still in the yeah. theaters. You never know. They, they never they go have away. Fourteen reboots. Um, but yeah, I think the Elizabeth Bank thing is really weird to me, and especially being a public figure in this, in that world of movie making, it's like, why would you even try to say that? And then why would you want to comp- complain about people who already go see movies for not seeing your movie? I, I don't, because like, I, what, do you think she's trying to say that since men went to go see Ford versus Ferrari, they made their significant others not see her movie? Or was she expecting? She was expecting men to because men women are who name me a woman who's really going to go see Charlie's Angels because it's you may say well it's a female empowerment mo- uh, movie but in honesty the series was female exploitive yeah if I remember it was supposed to be like he had, had uh, googly Farrah, googly whatever yeah, like guys because uh, you know they, they were interchangeable yeah. but you had to have the hot blonde you had to have the brainy well no you had brunette. somebody I think it's I think what also when they it were, comes to they were art stereotypes well when it comes to art too it's like. You have to be a, you have to break that barrier to be proven to kind of have that freedom to do any type of thing. Like for example, Quentin Tarantino, he's how now has that reputation where 
a lot of people will blindly go see whatever he makes. Mm -hmm. And it could be a female strong lead. It can be a robot strong lead. It can be, you know, whatever he wants. People are going to see it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, wonder what's wonderful is Kill Bill, like you used as an example, but that was also directed by Quentin Tarantino. To me, is an anomaly where it's like anyone sees his movies. Like Not back then. Yeah, back then, yeah. Uh, was, I'm well, saying Stephen King went through the same basic thing when there, there came a point where he's like, you know what, I feel that I could write something on toilet paper, use toilet paper, and it would sell a million copies. And then he did it. He did then... Well, he did Richard Bachman. And, and so he and his publisher came up with this idea that they, gave, they made up a fake author, Richard Bachman, and they gave Bachman the same PR that they would give any new author. And he found out the hard truth that while he was Richard Bachman, he sold a couple of thousand copies. The second it got leaked that it was Stephen King, oh, now we got the Running Man movie and we got the green, you know, all these things. And it was a kick in the teeth to him. And he had to admit, okay, I can write total schlock, but because the name Stephen King is attached to it. Yeah. Uh, it'll sell well, that was my copies. joke about Dr. Sleep was the reason it did so poorly is because he supported the movie. <laughs> So well, if, I remember when, he, he, was, when he, he directed Maximum Overdrive where he said, I want to do They keep on screwing up my movies. I'll show you how it's done. And if you ever saw Maximum Overdrive, he directed it. Yeah. He wrote the screenplay and directed it. It was, I, I caught it in the cinema. And I think it was one of those movies where it's like, you know what? I will never, you know, it's got to be a guaranteed money, you, you know, worth my money for me to come out of the cinema anymore. Well, and I was having a discussion about Star Wars and with my... You mean with, people walking out of the... Uh, the preview screenings? Well, no, we're, we're, we have a group of people who we all text in a group for talking about film. And I said, and I said something along the lines of, you know, if Disney was really smart, what they should have done is let Christopher Nolan figure out his, like, cause he kind of made a statement after the dark Knight trilogy going, I'm going to do single episode movies. Like, I'm not going to do anything like that for a while. Cause apparently Christian Bale was like, yeah, I'll keep making them as long yeah. as Christopher Nolan's making mm-hmm. them. So, and like, to me, that's the director you want to take over such a big franchise. And I was like, they should have just waited it out. And I know they wanted to make a boatload of money. We'll make the Rogue Ones, make the, you know, the standalone movies. But then... You the gotta... Star Wars trilogies are not... They're being handed out to people that... It's like, who is this? The person that wrote the last one? It's like, who are you? I Or who directed it? But that's what they should have done. I, I don't and I think they would have been... I think it would have been a great movie. You don't experiment with that. You get a director who's well-known and well-established and say, congratulations, you're part of the elite club who's going to direct a Star Wars. Now it's people I've never heard of before. Because yeah. J.J., I think J.J. Abrams, if he... And I that was, that was the only thing that weirded me out about that whole relationship with Disney was, like, he didn't want to commit. It was like, yeah, I'll do the first one. But, like, I don't want to do... I'm like, really, man? Like, but here's you, you've thing. done so many cool movies. But yeah, George Lucas, uh, Ivan Reichner, and uh, um, oh, Marshawn. Oh, who wrote? Who directed the th- the first trilogy? Three movies, three different directors, three different screenwriters. Yeah, but you also had George Lucas there all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, th- well. So. Here's the thing: that was before George Lucas started rewriting his own histories. So well, that, that's th- the problem. Well, I also think there's there's ages for directors, meaning the the art of making a movie changes every, you know, 20 years, 10 years with technology, with techniques, and then it's also the way people want to consume a story. So you have George Lucas, but fortunate enough, he may, he, his style of directing fit the, the 70s. But then, you know, when the 80s, they worked for, you know, Empire Strikes Back with that director. But I think today, 
if you're looking at if you want to make a really great movie, who's really good at making like overall from A to Z every aspect of the movie is really good and tight and fits. Christopher Nolan's the only one that can come to my mind that makes a really good movie. Besides, I mean, you could say Quentin Tarantino, but Quentin Tarantino is like his own thing. So I'd have to add to that because I absolutely agree with you. But on top of that, I think the days, they're not gone, but they should be, of bringing in a director to do a franchise movie, say, well, I've never watched Mission Impossible or I'm not a Star Trek well, fan. He never watched Batman. Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Which Batman? He didn't do any of the Batman. He didn't, he's Did like, he, he was kind of like, I thought it was an interesting story. <laughs> you just kinda, okay. I'm telling you, I'm saying like then he'll be the exception to the rule. But you see, my thought is a good director, a good screenwriter would be a fanboy or fangirl um, who knows the histories. Because too many times, you know, one of the things that just made the last Star Wars movie just fall so flat. Going, this isn't Luke. Mark Hamill well, saying yeah. this isn't Luke. He wouldn't. Do, this makes no sense because he's like, oh, they're still good. My dad, he blew up a planet and he's killed millions, but he's just still good in him. And then now it's like, oh, well, I think now. this kid's gonna be bad. I'm gonna kill him before he can become bad. It literally made no sense because someone wrote not knowing the history, yeah. the good and bad. And so I think the directors and to another extent the screenwriters at least need to have. If they're not the fanboy themselves, if you bring in a Christopher Nolan, you know he was surrounded by people saying this is the Batman. Um, universe. You know, this was, you know, to tell Christopher Nolan, Dark Knight Rises was based on uh, No Man's Land. This Gotham City is, uh, is an earthquake, but it does yeah. the same thing still off Gotham. It's like these, you know, Batman's back gets broken by Bane in this episode. And so he'd have to research the comics to say, okay, at least you have a framework. But you have all these people coming in going, well, I've never even heard of Star well, Trek. Like, what but, I liked, uh, for example, like the Ra's al Ghul angle in the first one, you could have gone the supernatural route mm-hmm. where it's like he literally has Lazarus Pit and it's yeah, the same. He's, he's but no, mortal. it's more of like they turn Ra's al Ghul into just a single belief. Mm-hmm. And I dig it because. I am Ra's al Ghul. I am Ra's al Ghul. Well, it's just kind of like this is what they need to clean out the bad. You know, that was their philosophy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I like the way they did it because it, it was more believable if you're trying to make a believable world, even though you're having this guy fly around. That's where DC and Marvel really split up, with the exception of like Doctor Strange or a couple of other Marvel characters like Deadman. No, Deadman, sorry, is DC, I'm sorry. But Doctor Strange is the only one who's actually like a cult supernatural. Everyone else is pretty much, when I say based in reality, meaning... From an alien planet. Or not really so much, you know, you get, uh, but it's the, uh, the, like the, the, the mutant gene or something. You know, you become a mutant or, yeah. you know, you're a, a guy with money, so you, you build uh, an iron suit or something. There are very few aliens in the mainstream Marvel universe. And, you know, obviously Guardians, but they're all kind of human-based. Guardians of the Galaxy, you got a human guy. Silver Surfer was a human, you, you, you know, so forth and so on. And DC, it's like it's all aliens and magic. For the most part, unless you're um, Green Arrow, you know you got Hal Jordan with the magic ring. You got Superman from another planet. You got um, Aquaman, Prince of the the Deep, kind of That's stuff. That's what I would have done. I would have waited till Christopher Nolan's done making his movies and be like, "Come, come do the Star Wars. We'll pay you. You'll never have to work again if you really didn't want to. That's how much money we're going to pay you." Well, I think he's already at that point. Nah, but he spends a lot of his money on making his movies. No, he makes them back. Don't worry. Well, I know he does. But I'm going to just say, I mean, mm. I think, yeah. And, you know, since we're going nerd route, i got to say, uh, Doctor Who, that's the problem with the current Doctor Who that's going on. They, they well, got we a new about this. Yeah, they got a new showrunner named Chris Chibnall, who right out of the gate, he said, you know what? Why did I'm the other guy quit? I'm changing everything. It's over time. 
Uh, he just tired of it. Yeah, Steve Moffat. He had other. Steve Moffat also did Sherlock. He did the reboot, right? Yeah, he started at not the reboot, but like the the the, the Doctor the, Who in the nineties. Well, Russell Davies did, and okay. and Steve Moffat was there. Now during that time, Steve Moffat was writing a British TV show called Coupling, which is kind of like yeah. Friends. He was a sitcom writer, but he was always a Doctor Who fan. So when Russell Davies left, Steve Moffat took over, ran it for years, loved him or hated him. He he did it, and then he's like, you know what? It's time to pass the torch. And for some reason, someone somewhere chose this guy named Chris Chibnall, who right out of the gate said, you know what? The entire 50-year history of Doctor Who, I'm no, I'm rebranding everything. Yeah, maybe it was that time. No one cares that it's a woman now. Really, no one cares. But that's what's being blamed. Oh, you don't like the new Doctor Who? You hate women. No, I hate schlocky writing. I hate lazy yeah. writing. And this guy's like, I'm not doing any of the, the bad guys of the last 50 years. I'm not doing It's all just standalone. And you don't jack with that. There's a reason Doctor Who's lasted for as many years as it has. And it doesn't need to be re 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 rebooted. No one cares that it's and again I'm being blamed because you know because I don't like it and I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Back to the old Yeah, days. well that's clearly why you but have now you're I'm upset because they I took away your the old Doctor Who. No. That's why you're upset. No, I I'd love the fact that it's a woman. You're just so attached to it. Yeah. You caught me. I mean at least Star Wars just sucks. <gasps> that's the no Star Wars doesn't suck. Midichlorians suck. No, <laughs> that that that's what turned it around. No, the, the new ones are pretty bad. I don't know. They look good though. That's for sure. Are we gonna watch the new one? Yeah. See, here's the thing. I remember watching the original Star Wars movies and Star Trek movies and the Lord of the Rings movies. It would be I would stay. I was in line for 24 hours in England. The only one for the first 23 hours. Uh, so I can make sure to catch the first seat to the cartoon Lord of the Rings that Ralph Bakshi did. Mm -hmm. I actually camped out in front of the cinema for 24 hours. And people are like wondering, who is this kid? Because I was just convinced it was going to, you know, Lord of the Rings movies, the, 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 the Peter Jackson one, same thing. Every Star Wars movie, motion for motion picture through Wrath of Khan and everything, I'd have to be at the midnight showing the first one. No, I really don't care. For this new well, one, I'm not doing the midnight. For this new one, I'll catch I'm you that. See it. I, I'm gonna catch it on DVD. I'm just unfortunately took the wind out of myself. The last movie had so yeah. many problems with it; it took the wind out of my sails. It's like, why would I want to? Well, I'm still gonna check out the uh, the Mandalorian. I'm kind of pumped for that. I'm hearing so cast. much about it. I just have no idea what it's about. Is, is that Boba Fett I'm seeing, or is it someone else? No, I think the timeline is like what they said. What I saw in a news thing is when uh, it's, it's, after it's around Return the time. Of the Jedi. Well, no, it, no, it's around the time where Yoda's born. No, but see, that's the problem. It's uh, I heard that people thought that, but it's not because now it's supposed to be taking place after about five years after Return of the Jedi. Uh, well, I have no idea. So I haven't seen it. Maybe Yoda's a time traveler. Maybe he's going to get sent back in time nine hundred years. If there was one time traveler in Star Wars, I could see it being Yoda. Oh yeah. I mean, look at him. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can see that. Boy, we're nerdy today. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Okay, 1029 on the dot. We'll be back. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning, 
Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. Kids are removed from their home because of abuse and neglect. And we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, please visit costaspeaksforkids.com. That's costaspeaksforkids.com. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands-Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at one o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Hello and goodbye. That's right, they can skip your back just long enough to say, done a great show this morning. We've talked about lots of stuff. Thanks for tuning in to yeah. us, we appreciate we'll it. We'll be back on um, Friday. I've been trying to respond to some stuff, yeah. Uh, Brett's got to remind me because one of the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, we weren't. I wasn't able to catch the midnight because I think it was sold out. So it was the, uh, the like the Friday night show. But there was one of them. I think it was the middle one, the Battle of Helm's Deep. I think because uh, I remember I drank so much coffee to stay awake that we would have to actually leave the movie halfway through to go to the bathroom, and we'd have to have people tell us what happened, and we'd be going waves. And uh, yes, I know that Norman Rad, the Silver Surfer, was never. They're saying not a human. I mean human. I mean Norman Rad, humanoid, not not alien. Alien. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fading out on that one. Sounds controversial. I love yeah, it. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's ten thirty four. We're gonna be signing out. Uh, we're gonna be here Friday. We don't have a guest for Friday. Yeah, let's let's. Uh, uh, so if anyone wants to be a guest, contact us nine three six two two eight nine three six eight. Dick and Skippy at gmail dot com. Of course, we're on Facebook Live at facebook dot com slash Dick and Skippy. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Bean Punk Coffee, Clean Sweep Office Cleaning, 
C3 Creative Content Creations. More information about us, just check us out at IRLoneStar.com slash Dick and Skippy. We will see you guys on Friday. And we'll go far.